0: honestly what people have to realize is if you believe in yourself if you have the motivation doing it the hard way and delivering it the right way is going to bring you better rewards you're going to get referrals from that person there's so many added benefits to doing things the right way that are unforeseen you can't foresee the added benefits that come
1: All right, welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. You know, today we've actually got Tony Glick with us. Tony, hey, how you doing? Hey, guys. It's good to have you. You know, stoked for this one, dude. would be good, good to be here. Good guy. Good Tony's guy. Awesome. So Tony's a serial entrepreneur, you know, he comes from the startup world. And in recent years, you've actually been tearing it up in tech. And so he's been in the tech world. You've done everything from the ground floor where you've been the salesperson all the way up through CEO. And right now you're running a channel organization over at Nice Systems. And Tony's an incredible sales leader. I can just tell you, I've never met anybody who builds a better culture. Just the kind of people you bring in, the kind of culture you create is just fantastic. And so we kind of introduced you on a professional side, but tell us about Tony Glick, the person. What is it that drives you? Okay. What motivates you? First of all, honor.
2: It's an honor to be here. Such greatness in front of me. (laughs) It's good to be here, guys. Well, I guess starting back to early days, I'm a lover of basketball. Had dreams of playing in the NBA. So I I thought, you know, as a kid that, and, and I think I was a pretty good basketball player, actually. You know? I've heard you're good. Until I realized. I've heard you're still good. I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't lose too much speed when you're this small, but that that was the problem, right? You grow up and you think you're going to be an NBA player. And then I figure out that I'm only going to be five, six on a good day, five, seven. And, and not everybody's going to be spud Webb, right? Yeah. No, no, I'm stubby and bald. And yeah, I mean, it's just the dreams ended <laughs> right, right, right around 16 years old. I knew that it was, it was over. Right. But Yeah. I mean, I thought that was my future. And then, you know, started looking around me and probably why I'm here today is I I noticed that I probably have cells DNA in in me, you know, my mother, father, they're wired. And that's all I saw as a kid. You know, these, my parents were, you know, in the eighties were constantly creating businesses, you know, like my dad, had handbags that he was, he was hawking out on the streets, downtown Salt Lake, you mm. know? And so like, this is what I saw. This is what I knew. I actually remember right around 17 when my dad, he gave me my first cassette tapes. Do you guys remember the, do you guys ever get cassette tapes? Yeah. 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 So he handed me Zig Ziglar one of my idols. I actually remember when he died a couple of years ago, it was, it was a sad day for my dad and I. But he handed me Zig Ziglar cassette tapes at 17 years old. And that's kind of where I think it started for me. Started clicking like, yeah, I'm not going to be a basketball player. I got to figure something out. My parents are entrepreneurs. Like, it's just in my DNA. So anyway, but being small, I think one of the things that drives me, and Rusty knows this, like, I'm like ultra petty. Like, you tell me I can't do something, you know, you're too small. That's probably what drove me with basketball. And I, I have a, like, I have a memory bank of people that have told me that I can't do stuff over the years. And I'm trying to change this now, being in my forties, you know, trying to not be so petty, but it it was a huge part of my drive when I was younger and growing up is I just collected all these, all these like hate that people said I can't do something. And it was, it was my drive, right. Is what caused me to start getting into things and learning and becoming
1: good at whatever I did. So like like having a chip on your shoulder.
2: I had it. Yeah. It's a small man's disease, right? Like that's, that's what we do, right? We're short, you know, we become petty, short, small man. Right. So I got five kids married One boy, little boy, funny enough, thinks he's going to be an NBA player too. So I don't know how to break it to him. Might try to break it (laughs) earlier than than me. (laughs) So that's uh, kind of who I am career-wise. So I got, I did get into sales when I was in my early 20s, my first sales job. I mean, I had some when I was, younger in my teen years, but legit sales job when I was in my early twenties. I think what really got me into sales was I, I became ultra like passionate, obsessed about sales. Like I started with Zig Ziglar books and I I read every book you could think of. You know, I went to college down at UVSC down at the times Okay, and down in Orem. My mm-hmm. job was up in Salt Lake. And so I had to drive every day up to Salt Lake for work. And I'd listen to cassette tapes and CDs and sales books. I read everything you can think of. So I went from sales, I was there for a couple of years. Funny story, what got me out of sales was I was late one night. So we sold speed reading programs, like a lot of guys that we know. Yeah. A lot of good salespeople came from there. But like um, a lot of good sales, A lot of good. Yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of it was very good people. Competitive environment. Yes. So one day I'm sitting in a late night shift and it's, you know, it's like eight o'clock and I'm selling late night. And I look around me and, and keep in mind, I had been asked to manage and lead teams. And I kept saying no, because we're making, you know, 50 to hundred dollars an hour as college kids. And that's it's a, a lot of money, right? We're yeah, all, yeah. When you're in college, we're driving new Audis and you know, my roommates are driving, you know, Honda Civics. You know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I look around me and I've got five old guys in their 60s selling with me at night. And it was at that moment that I was like, I... Like, I love selling, I love making the money, but I got to figure out how to transition out of this. Cause I, I didn't want to be 60 years old sitting on the phones with, you know, telemarketing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I called my boss and I was like, when it's open, I'll, I'll come lead. Right. Long story short, you never stop selling, which, which is a good thing. Right. Like my career led and I, I ended up, you know, owning businesses, gotten into direct response, marketing, had a consulting business, an affiliate web, all this stuff went from there joined a you know a travel agency right helped them build a sales call center down in a sales floor down in central america which was it was a huge success went back to to the marketing agency for a little bit and then ended up in tech How,
1: that's where i am now so you built basically a sales organization for a travel company down in central america yeah what was that like
2: it was wild it was really really wild so a really cool experience. Uh, the travel wore on me. I think I added 10 years to my life because I traveled so much, but it was really, really cool because, you know, they started with nothing and I learned it's a hidden gem. It's like Central America is le- a legit hidden gem, you know, and we went yeah. from four salespeople and, you know, it built, to uh, I think at one point over a thousand salespeople through five different countries. Over a
1: thousand in, in five countries.
0: In five different From, from four. From four people. Wow. it's a little bit of growth. A little, a little bit, bit, yeah.
1: You know, so. that's amazing. Now, yeah, now, good. hold on. So, you told me something about bodyguards, yeah, in in Central America at one point. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about this.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I mean, Central America is not it's not the safest place, right? And so, I mean, this was a multi million dollar company that that, that grew, and I was the face of the sales organization, and so I was down there every six weeks, and it just got dangerous. I had to have two bodyguards and bulletproof cars when I drove around. And it it actually got to the point where I was flying in unannounced, right? Because I was a target for kidnapping and extortion, right? I mean, we're running millions of dollars a day through this, through this company, through our sales organizations and one bad apple and goodbye to me, you know? So I got a lot of stories. I used to travel with like hundred dollar bills in my pockets just in case I had to bribe somebody. Getting at me. I had, all, I had all sorts of things that I would do to try to stay safe. It's fun though. I'm
0: glad you made it through. I'm sure your yeah. wife was stoked about that. So
2: excited. She mad. loved She's,
0: it. She was probably looking forward to every time you traveled.
2: Yeah. So. And, and then it made it worse because I like watched movies, you know, and like Central America and cartel and really yeah. became educated. So uh,
1: well, honey, don't worry. The cars are <laughs> bulletproof. <really>.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is oh, a good time. That's, that's awesome.
0: awesome. So you've sold in so many different capacities, it's pretty mind boggling to me, right? Because you hear all the time, you know, and there's a sense of pride out there specifically, I think in the tech world, but it exists across all levels of selling where people say, Oh, B2C is so different than B2B people that are doing B2C. They can't step into B2B. They have to change their mindset. And it's, I've also heard it vice versa. They'll say like B2B people can't sell to people anymore. They can only sell to businesses now. And you've done stuff selling in every capacity I can think of. What are some primary like characteristics that you've seen that carry over from one industry to another as far as like B2C, B2B, so forth and so on?
2: Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's complete crap. It's garbage. You know, someone tells you that like you come from B2C world and you want to get to B2B, you can't do it. Like it's garbage, like complete garbage, right? Like I used to tell Rusty, like signatures, like they smell the same. They all smell the same, right? That was Mm -hmm. what I used to say when I got in tech, right? Like I know what they smell like. You know, I just get me some leads and I'll I'll find the signature. But I think some characteristics that are really, really important when we get into selling, you know, passion, belief, confidence, those are things that everybody knows. But when you get into the environments, like they get intimidating and scary. You know, knowing I was coming here, I was thinking of like some of the experiences and stories that really stick out to me. I'll tell you one that it's so funny, but makes so much sense. So back in the day when, when I was at the speed reading company, I ended up moving into leadership. I ran the whole sales organization and there was a guy that I sold with when I was selling, we sold together and he was average, right? Average salesperson all the way through. And he kept selling, I grew into leadership and it's almost like he started fading, right? Like over time, he was like average, below average, getting worse and worse and worse. Right. And I feel bad for people that are bad at sales. It's like, it's gotta be the most miserable job in the world when you're bad at sales. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything more (laughs) miserable than watching somebody struggle at sales. It's gotta be the worst
1: job in the world. So, you know, one of the things that my, one of my mentors, Bill Robinson said is this, which is that sales, is one of the easiest low paying jobs you'll ever have. And one of the hardest high paying jobs you'll ever have.
2: Yeah, I agree. So he's just struggling, you know, and he's been there for a while and he comes into my office and he's like, I don't want to leave, but I am miserable. You know, he's like, bottom. there's 50 salespeople in there. He's down near the bottom and he's tried everything, you know, and he, he's like, I'm going to give it one more month. And if I can't, do something. I'm gone. I just can't do this anymore. And he says, what can you help me with? Is there anything more you can help me with? And I, and I told him, I said, you've lost so much belief in yourself. Like you really don't believe in yourself anymore. And I said, I think you're good. You know what to do. I said, I think you're just lacking some confidence and belief, you know? And I said, I don't know what else to tell you. This was the end of the month. We went month by month. So it was the, it was the weekend. And you know, he looked discouraged. I, I thought he was done. Right. Weekend came. Monday showed up. He actually called in sick, called in sick. And I'm like, this guy's done. It's over. Right. (laughs) Like he, he, it's over. And then he shows up the next day. Okay. And that week he's the top salesperson, right? He, he, he's the top salesperson out of 50 people. Right. And I didn't say anything. I just let, you know, we let it go. And next week comes top salesperson, right? We get to the end of the month and he's not only the top salesperson in the company, but he's blown every number out of the books for our company. Wow. In one month. And so I pull him, like he comes into my office and I'm like, what happened? You know, like something happened. Like, what did you do? And again, this is super basic, but it's a really powerful story for anybody trying to translate sales through B2C, B2B, or just get into it. Right. I mean, we're young 20 year olds. And he said, I woke up every morning and he said, I took off my shirt. And he said, I stood in front of the mirror." And I told myself, I am the best. I will be number one. And he told himself that 10 times in the morning, mm. 10 times in the afternoon, 10 times at night. He did it every single day that month.
0: See, I think if I took I mean, my shirt off, it wouldn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe if I left it on, I, you know, that's, yeah. that's a that, that's a next I mean, level Of belief, right in yourself, is getting into the mentality of sales, and I think it's undervalued when we talk about sales skills and what you need to learn in order to be great at sales. And a lot of times, the best salespeople are just the strongest believers in themselves.
2: There's a little arrogance that comes with it, right? You got it, like you've got to strut, you got to walk it, you know. And I think that's the first thing I learned, right? Like you, you've got to be unshakable,
1: and you've got to have like a pretty strong mind. Yeah. To be great.
0: Agreed. Absolutely.
1: So what when, when you do kind of have some of the right characteristics and you, know, you got somebody who is a salesperson, they've got the confidence, they've got the motivation, they're delivering. Yeah. What do they have to do to be able to translate those skills though? Because I mean, like like what Ron was saying, you've been in all these different industries. I mean, from, you know, B2B, you're saying speed reading, you're doing direct response, you know, yeah. like infomercials, like Billy Mays. Billy yeah, Mays yeah. here, you know. <laughs> You know, so, so you, you don't kind of stuff to transfer between industries, right? What do people have to do? Well, before you go into that, I think
2: belief and confidence and passion, all those things like you, you have to earn it, right? I knew my friend, he, he took time right before he had learned sales. It kind of faded, right? And so I think the first thing you've got to earn it. Nothing comes easy. Learning how to be a good salesperson doesn't, you don't just wake up and be a salesperson. Like you got to read books, you got to study, you got to. I mean, you got to obsess over the craft, right? To actually earn the right to be confident and have belief in something, right? So I think first thing comes first, you got to earn the right to have that kind of confidence. I mean, there's very few people that just are born with unshakable confidence. So you develop that kind of stuff by putting in the work, first of all, first off, right? I like how you said that, obsess over the craft. Sure. Yeah. Obsess over it. So I think as you move into whatever profession it is, Again, I think anybody can go into any profession and sell, right? It all smells the same, right? I'll give you an example. When I came into tech, which I hadn't sold for 20 years, had been leading companies and managing businesses. And then I came into tech and I really believed that I could, I needed to come into tech. I wanted to come into tech. I got turned down by a couple of tech companies who stuck their nose at me and said, you don't have enough experience Too, it's too technical for you. And it, mm-hmm. it I mean, honestly, it really pissed me off. Like it, it did like that you know, a chip on the shoulder. It, it, yeah. It really upset me. And I got a shot with nice and came in and I convinced you to get me started. Right. Didn't want to wait around, convince you that they all smell the same. And the first thing I did is I, I knew what they smelled like, but I knew that there's people around me that were succeeding, right? Really good people. And so I was placed with some really good people. And one of the things I did is, I mean, Rusty, I, I thought you had one of the greatest demos and I brought you on one of my demos, had you do it, right? Which very rare to have a VP get on and, and do a demo for you,
1: which I thought was cool. And I recorded it. Sometimes I just do that just to relax.
0: Because you, know? you can only do spreadsheets and yell at people so much, yeah. you know? Yeah, know. <laughs> That's what Rusty does on his free time for demo. fun. Yeah, Saturday mornings, he gets his family together at the couch. All right, guys, we're going to do a demo today. It's going to be a good time, kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a very cool friend.
2: so he came on the demo hour and a half demo recorded it. Um, I took the demo and I mean, word for word, I took, it was probably 25 hours and I word for word plagiarized it, right? Like it's nothing illegal about it. Right. I wrote it word for word down because I knew he was the best at demoing and I just copied his demo. You know, I swear, swear not. I I've had compliments. Like there, there's a training that uses my demo, at Mm -hmm. nice. Right. A guy called me, he's like, I love your demo. You know, it's so great. And it literally is word for word. Like you go listen to my old demos that are recorded. A lot of it's word for word. It has my personality and the way that I pitch and communicate, but it's word for word. And I really believe I had one of the best demos, but it wasn't mine. Right. So long story short, you know, I took your demo. I took Howie, who was my buddy, one of the smartest guys you'll meet in the company. I didn't think he was one of the best closers, but the guy could listen and could communicate and knew how to just draw people into conversation about the He's product, awesome. right? And so I learned how to listen through Howie, right? How to listen and to coordinate the conversations the right way and to help people and to serve them, you know, and to really serve them in the sales process. And then I, I mean, I probably took Darren's closing, you know, like the hammer, right? Like new one, <laughs> like listen to Darren, watch Darren when to hammer, you know?
0: And yes, I plagiarized all these, all the greats inside this company. And then it, it was easy. So you're telling me, you take passion, you take drive, you take belief in yourself. That brings the initial step to success.
2: Yeah.
0: The next step is plagiarize. <laughs> <laughs> plagiarize. Let's plagiarize that's right. the best people there. Right. Yeah. And and I actually agree with that. I think the term plagiarization, yeah. like that's an interesting term, right? But but I think we usually give counsel to people when they first start, right? Like go out and learn from the your peers. Yeah. Learn from people around you, right? That's the that's the appropriate way to call it you know, plagiarize. Well,
1: and you, yeah. you'll you see this as a recurring theme through our podcast. Like you, you use a, a term that's, you know, loaded like plagiarize and it feels like negative. But and in reality, this is how you build good sales organizations. Yeah. Like at, from a leadership standpoint, yeah. you take your top performers, you identify what attributes they have. You use that identification of the attributes they have to build hiring profiles and enablement plans. And you use your top performers you model after them. You also model after your customers. When you're going after the right customer profile, you model after things. But, but I think one of the things that I think is very interesting here is you have to have the motivation to do that, both from a leadership and from a sales perspective, you have to have the motivation to go in and figure it out and actually collect
0: up all of those best practices and apply them. And it's extra work. It's a lot of work. So a lot of people, they they walk in and they think, oh, I'm just going to go make dials for 40 hours a week. They're not actually thinking, I need to do more to get great at this job when I first start, right? Like I love hearing Tony talk about, I had my VP do a demo, which I recorded and spent hours, 25 hours memorizing what he said. That's what separates the goods from the greats.
1: Yeah, that's not normal. Yeah. And and like well, we've talked about before, normal is is not necessarily the most successful. Yep. But you got to take that time, have that motivation to do that kind of work instead of just showing up and, you know, what we call you know, performing experiments on live animals, right? <laughs> Which is get on with a prospect and you learn just kind of, you know, yeah. wrestling
2: with them. You don't want to yeah. do that. Uh, one of the things I used to tell like my salespeople, and I mean, I experienced this for myself, whether I was selling or leading, if you at some point when you're trying to like develop Like a new craft, don't end up dreaming about that craft, or you're not like pitching inside of a dream, you're probably not working or obsessing hard enough over that craft, right? Like, I mean, when I'm obsessing over something, it usually comes out in dreams at some point, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I guess not everybody dreams, but that's usually like what happens to me. Like, when it's the only thing on my mind, you know, my poor wife and kids, but that's like, it comes out, like it comes out in dreams, and I'm pitching and you know, you're, you're visualizing like how you're going to succeed. That's awesome.
1: When you put in the work. No, because I mean, I think anytime where you really get invested in something, you build a business, you get into a job, you obsess over it. I think that's an interesting observation. It's a very interesting observation. So how about this? I mean, you talked about learning content. You talked about learning what some of the best things are. What about, how, how do you actually perfect the delivery of it, okay, you know, cause, cause yeah. as a salesperson, you have to be able to tell a fantastic story and deliver a, a fantastic message. Yeah. How do you go about that? What are your thoughts there? Let me share that. One last thing is we, before we move on to
2: that, to finish the idea off of moving into any industry, right? Yeah, I don't think there's anybody that's necessarily born a salesperson, right? Like this is why I think anybody can step into sales, right? Or leadership or anywhere, right? enough work's put in like you can be great at anything and you you obsess over something you're going to rise at whatever you do it doesn't matter who you are what your personality is you'll figure it out if yeah, you
1: I mean,
0: put enough time and work into it so
1: yeah i mean people can come from anywhere i mean ron some of the people that you've had that have worked
0: for you in the past where are
1: some of the industries they've come from
0: i had a guy that that got a masters in public administration okay that was going to be in a nonprofit that became okay. a top rep and a leader i had a guy that was a calculus teacher in high school calculus teacher that became a top sales rep. We've had people move over f- to software from phone sales, like cell phone, like Verizon sales, one of our top performers like in the came mall. from there, like at the mall. Yeah. We had some, someone came over from, uh, from selling cars. That is one of the top reps right now. I mean, they come from all walks of life. One of the, be- one,
1: all of the, all over the place. one of the best salespeople I've ever worked with that I loved working with is Julie Weinhoff. Mm-hmm. And I love her because she actually retired with us. You know, she actually got to that point, but she was in services. She was a professional. She was a services rep. She was all about support and service. She became this incredible salesperson and just, I mean, that's a big W2 coming from her and she was just a machine. And I remember the hesitation just getting into it, but she had that passion. She, she owned it. She obsessed over it. She became fantastic people. You can do this. Yeah you know, you, you can do it. Absolutely. So let's talk about the delivery. Yeah. So yeah, right? let's talk about that delivery. Okay. So once, you know, you, you're collecting the information now, how do you construct that message? Okay.
2: So, I, and I, by the way, this is fun. I, I really love talking about sales. I, I think there's endless stories, you know, that, and, and as we're talking, I have more that are just coming in my brain you know, and probably don't have enough time, but it's, this is fun because there's so many fun stories. And as we get into the delivery, there's really great delivery stories, but it can become a disaster if done incorrectly. Right. Cause even great salespeople, confident salespeople can get to the point of delivery and can really screw that up. And so I'll illustrate it with a story. Another one of my entrepreneur experiences, one of the ones that I really uh, cherish and love. So this was, oh, I think about seven years ago, I was lucky enough. I got a call to help consult with Hiram Smith, who was the former CEO of Franklin Covey, right? The mm-hmm. founder of Franklin Quest, uh, partner to Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. right? One of the most incredible experiences of my life, right? He called my company and asked if we can consult with a new book they had created that they're going to take out to companies. So I drive down to his house out in St. George, you know, he had a huge ranch, and he was getting older, you know, and he he passed away this last year, but a lot of it was you go out there and I was just at awe listening to this guy talk, right? Like I'd ask questions after questions. And so you spent time working and then like probably four hours listening to this guy and the experiences he had at, with Franklin Covey, right? So one of the things he taught me and I just, I loved it was he taught me this, you know, he, he taught me how he trained his salespeople, how to deliver his products, right? And he had an actual presentation that he used to give to the salespeople. And so he taught me about it and I actually took it and I took it down to Central America to my Central American salespeople. And I used to do this presentation when they, so we had close to a thousand salespeople and I was really engaged Did all. I did a lot of the training. So I used to come in at the very end of, of trainings and I'd do this before they actually entered the sales floor. Right. Because I wanted this to be the last thing they remembered because this is a mindset. When you, when you teach people how to present you get them right, confidence right, pitch right, and then some mindset to deliver because you're going from final presentation and you've got to think beyond just what you give to them, right? The biggest mistake some sales people make is they they want the deal closed, they want out.
1: Yeah, And yes, they want out.
2: And a lot of times you leave a huge mess if you just think like that. And the very first time I did, it was probably the most successful one because it opened up so many conversations and it just spread throughout the whole sales floor. Like people wanted to be a part of it, right? And so we came into the training And I bought a really beautiful piece of cake and I'd, I'd come in front of the salespeople and I said, does anybody want this cake? Right? Like I'd explain the cake. This is the best cake you could find out in Central America. and Everybody wanted it. Right. Right before lunch too. Yeah. Right before lunch (laughs) and everybody raises their hand and I'm like, you know, I'd point somebody out and I'd walk over to their walk over to them and I'd say, you want this cake and it's on a paper plate or something. And then I'd slap my hand in the cake, right? Cake goes flying all over the place. And I throw it down on the table, right? I'm like, there you go, it's yours. And everybody's just like dying, laughing. A lot of people are in shock. They're like, what, what just happened? (laughs) And then I leave, I leave the room. And people are talking, discussions are going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within five minutes I go wash my hands and I come back in, I put on a suit, a bow tie. I put a white towel around my arm. I have a silver platter. And then I have the same cake sitting on that silver platter. And I walk in like perfect form. Okay. And I walk in, everybody looks over at me again. They're like, okay, you know, I think I see what's going on. And I said, does someone want this piece of cake? Right. And someone raises their hand and then I go over and deliver the cake to them with the, we have a silver fork as well. And then I deliver it to them perfectly right in front of them. Right. Here was one of the most interesting things that came out of this is it's almost obvious what I'm trying to teach, like the delivery, same, Mm -hmm. same product, different deliveries, right? Mm -hmm. What was really, really interesting is we're sitting here talking about this and discussing it in Central America. You have cleaning people, cleaning people come, they're cleaning all day around these offices and we're talking and this lady, who's cleaning the office, she walks over and there's cake all over the floor. She oh. walks over. Yeah. And she sweeps, she starts sweeping up the cake off the floor and everybody looks over at me and they're like, and, oh, and like, no. it just clicks. They're like, you leave messes behind that other people have to clean up, right? right? If you don't
1: deliver the product correctly, that happens all the time. And people are just doing shortcuts. Right. You you, you just kind of fudge a little bit about the product. You lie a little bit. You know, oh, it's it's easy. It'll be implemented in two weeks when it's gonna take six months. Because salespeople are afraid to just tell the truth because they want to get to that shortcut yeah. versus doing yeah. it right. Yeah.
2: So I mean, there's a lot of discussions and roads you can go with this, um, this topic, but the ultimate is just, you know, like it doesn't matter what you're selling, at the end of the day, you want to go to bed at night, be able to put your head down in your pillow and know that you've done it right. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I, no shortcuts. I've cut corners in the early days, you know, I did. And I, you know, when you sell selling, like when you learn how to sell correctly, it, it can be a weapon for good and bad. Right. Yep. You know, you can like, I, I know like deep down I can cut corners if I want and I know where they are. And at the end of the day, you want
0: to learn how to do it right. It does take more work to deliver that cake the second way you delivered it. Totally. You had to go put on your tie, get your towel set up, get a, you know, you're you're taking care of things rather than just walking out with a piece of cake, you're slapping around and throwing it in front of people, right? And that's the easy way to deliver a cake. Right. And nobody really wants to do it the hard way. Right. But honestly, what people have to realize is if you believe in yourself, if you have the motivation, doing it the hard way and delivering it the right way is going to bring you better rewards. Totally. Right. You're going to get referrals from that person. You're going to get, there's so many added benefits to doing things the right way that are unforeseen. You can't foresee the added benefits that come. And because you can't see it. And a lot of people, I don't, I don't say salespeople. I think a lot of people are like this, right? Like we're short minded. We think in short terms, we think like what's going to happen today in the next two minutes. Yep. What is going to result of what I say in two minutes from now? I don't think if I do this the right way, it's going to take longer. It's going to be more work. But how will that affect things a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? Right. I uh, work with a guy at my current company. His name's Tony. He's he's works out of Europe. He's our top sales guy at Conga, and he does things the right way. And what blows me away is he. I mean, he destroys everyone when it comes to numbers and almost all of his numbers come from referrals. People yeah. that he worked with that recommend other people that he should work with. And it's his customers that are referring new business to him. It's And he, it's because he does things the hard way. He does things the right way. He doesn't skip the corners. He makes sure the customer's taken care of. And as of a result, he's got homes in London and Sweden mm-hmm. and he's a multimillionaire. as a result. And, and, and literally not been a leader just as a sales guy, closing deals, making, you know, seven figures a year, closing deals. That's what happens when you do it the right way, but it's hard to think that far in advance. And you need to kind of train yourself to think that way.
1: Yeah. And, and, and all of us are recipients of, of sometimes where people are cutting corners, mm -hmm. but when you're working with a contractor, or when you're referring a contractor somebody, one of the most common things that is said is he does it right. Yeah, He's thorough. He gets in and does it completely correctly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you need to build that brand for yourself. It's your personal reputation. You need to learn how to put the work in and how to do it. And honestly, not a lot of people do it. Yeah. Which is why there's one Tony in yeah. Europe and there's one Tony at this table. There's right. one Tony <laughs> at this table. <laughs> it might be a
0: name, Tony. I'm going to change my name after this. Episode. Yeah, No, I don't think so. I think, I think I, you know, you got a good name, Rob. Good
2: brand. You know, you okay. know, what's interesting too. Like as, as you're talking, I look back at all the contracts, right? Like consulting contracts, like all this, all the stuff I've done over the years. The temptation sometimes when you're finishing deals, sometimes you get these deals that seem really easy, right? And everything seems right. And those are the ones that end up sometimes becoming a disaster. Some of the best friends that I've developed over the years have been through hard negotiations. Mm. the ones that have gone sour it usually seems like it was easy entry. the deal was easy and because it was so easy we missed things and then they went sour because expectations weren't set. yeah but when when time's taken and it's hard and everybody's looking at everything, you know usually develop good friendships you know when you do it right too like I have friends over the like throughout the years that I still talk to and negotiation was hard. Like there were some hard negotiations. So
0: that's,
1: that's a, that's a great, that's what people
0: remember about you. You know, totally. You go to a funeral. That's what people don't talk about what you made, the amount of money you made. They talk about what kind of person you were. Like, that's what you want to be remembered for is doing things the right way. You know, I've heard the term, you can't take your bank account to the grave with you, right? Like that's true, but you do take your reputation to the grave with you. And And if your reputation revolved around nothing but a bank account, That's what you're remembered by. Is that what you want? If you do things the right way, you can have a pretty sweet bank account and your reputation is he or she was a great person. They did things the right way. They were hardworking, motivated. They believed in themselves. They presented things the right way and they made sure that people were taken care of. Well, and I think what we've learned from you today, Tony, is that
1: you have to earn that. Yeah. You have to earn it. You have to put in the work. You have to earn it. And you have to be mindful of all those things. Yeah. so I think it was a great conversation today, Tony. We appreciate you joining us, talking to us, Ron, as always. But thank you for listening to the Sales Prescription Podcast. We'll have more for you. So just keep looking for new content and find us on Spotify, find us on Apple, find us on YouTube, TikTok, if you're that kind of person, and we can help you out. We'll be writing some more prescriptions. So thanks, everybody. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Tony. Stuff. Great to have you.
0: Take care, everybody.